That's why you come and coach and play in this league. You want, you want to be in big time games, and, and uh, there's something unique about being on the road and facing that type of environment too. It's uh, it's fun and uh, exciting. Hello and welcome. We've made it, everybody. It is November. Today is always college football on November 1st. Thanks for being with us from wherever it is you're coming to us from, whether it's on the ESPN YouTube channel or if you're here with us via the podcast, whether it's Apple Podcast, on Spotify, you name it, we appreciate you. Please like, rate, and subscribe wherever it is you're getting the content. It helps us out. It helps the show out. But what helps the show out the most, because our marketing budget is a grand total of zero, if you just tell your friends that we're talking about all the games, all the teams, all the matchups, and all the things that you want to talk about when it comes to college football, we're doing it every single day. So thanks so much for being a big part of our community here at ACF. I'm Greg McElroy. Along with me, as always, is Mark Kubiak. We have a great show for you in store today. Today is the initial playoff rankings release. I'm going to tell you exactly what the rankings are should look like. I'm not saying what they will look like. I'm saying what they should look like. So we'll take a good look about what these teams, what order these teams should be in. We also are going to look ahead a little bit. This week's games, good games. There's always good games. People always say, oh, you know, this week a little lighter. No, no, no. There's always good games. All right, let's not get carried away. We just have a really, really good set of games next week. We have a really, really good set of games the week after that. The 19th is just ridiculous of November. And then, of course, we have Rivalry Week coming up just a few weeks from now. So we're going to just peek ahead a hair, just a hair, when it comes to kind of what matchups are lurking and what matchups might ultimately be biggest that are left on the schedule. So let's not waste any time. Here's what the rankings should look like when they're released tonight. All right, you're probably looking forward to the rankings like I am. I feel like the first iteration of the rankings are always probably my favorite, probably the most widely consumed. Of course, the day that the playoff teams are actually selected is the highest rated day for the rankings release show. I get that. But there's also something about the first time, and there's something that I'm looking forward to seeing. Hey, I want to get some clarification. Not that we're going to know today what's most important to the committee, but sometimes you can get a little bit of an indicator with, all right, they value this. Maybe this isn't quite as big a deal. I want to remind everybody, too, if we go back over the course of the eighth year, this being the ninth year of the college football playoff, a lot of people, and I, I, I just want everyone to hear me out when I say this. A lot of people will constantly use the explanation for why a team should be down the list. Like, oh, well, they lost to this team. That's that's a bad loss. Yes, losses matter. Bad losses matter. You will be held accountable for having bad losses. There's no denying that. But the committee consistently over the last eight years, this being the ninth, has always valued big wins over bad losses. So when you point to and say, well, this the worst loss, the worst loss is not as important. I'm just telling you. Like when you go and you're trying to poke a hole in in Oklahoma State's resume, for example, you know, when you point to the fact that, oh, they lost 48 nothing. Yes, correct. We all know. We all watched. We all saw just how sideways that game got and just how dominant Kansas State was in the process. We saw that. 
but they will also point to the fact the committee will look at that game. Sure, it matters, but they're also going to look to the fact that, well, they played and beat Texas. They played and beat so-and-so. So they're going to look at the wins as much, if not more so, than the losses. The other thing, too, they're going to say, well, this team lost to this team by this many. For instance, let's use the Penn State example. All right. Penn State lost by how many points to Michigan versus how many points they lost to when it comes to Ohio State. Well, they lost to more, they lost to Michigan by more than Penn than Ohio State. So Ohio State should be ahead of Michigan, or Michigan should be ahead of Ohio State because the margin was bigger in a common opponent. That's never mattered either. Like people will use all these different reasons about why the team should be here, why a team should be here. You know what it benefits? You, your team. Whatever benefits your team, you're going to look at it through that lens. All right. That's that's the way things work. Like, for instance, if you're an SEC fan and you are, say, a Tennessee fan, you're gonna look at and say, that was a did you see how badly Tennessee beat Kentucky? And Kentucky's a ranked team. Whereas if you're a fan of, say, the Big Ten, you're going to look at it and say, Kentucky's terrible. Kentucky lost to South Carolina, who lost to Missouri, who lost, you know, <laughs> who lost to Kansas State by 100, who lost to Tulane, who lost to Southern Miss. So Southern Miss is technically better than South Carolina, who Kentucky lost to. Like, people are going to connect the dots like that, okay? Like, don't do it. That's, that's my ramble for you today. All right, here's what the rankings should be as we move a little bit forward. All right, are you guys ready for this? Are you sure you're prepared? Because I look at everything and I look at all these teams. I'm going to tell you this. The highest ranked group of five team should be the Tulane Green Wave. Okay, they will not be in the top 10, but they should be the highest ranked group of five team. They've obviously done an awful lot this year. I'm very impressed with what I've seen from Tulane. They sit there currently at seven and one. Their one loss was to Southern Miss, but they also beat Kansas State, who we obviously love on this program and the committee should love as well. Kansas State, if not for having lost their quarterback and another thing that people do, well, they lost their quarterback, so they'll make excuses for losses too. That's another thing that will happen here over the next month of the season. Kansas State, if they don't lose their quarterback, if they don't lose Will Howard, do they actually lose to TCU? That'll be another thing that people will try to, they'll play the hypotheticals, right? Hypotheticals are huge, and we love them here when it comes to college football, so I'm not mad at anybody for using them, okay? The highest-ranked group of five teams should be Tulane. If it's UCF, I will be upset. Let the record be known. It's a good win by UCF last week, who also, by the way, lost their starting quarterback in the process and yet still found a way to beat Cincinnati at home. Like we told you, it was going to happen. All right, let's move into the top 10. I would give you the top 25, but to be honest with you, that's just too much. It's too much information. It'll be information overload. So let's stick to the top 10 for right now because that's what we've done the last few weeks. And we're going to have a good rankings release reaction show tomorrow. But here's what it should look like tonight when you get down to brass tacks. The number 10 team in America should be the UCLA Bruins. Now, you're going to say, well, did you watch UCLA against Oregon? Well, yeah, I did. I also saw that they didn't punt. 
and yet still lost the game convincingly. I like UCLA. I think that's a really good football team. You're probably going to notice here in just a minute how much respect I have for the Pac-12 as a whole. Maybe not at the top of the rankings, but in this section of the rankings, I really like the Pac-12. You look at UCLA, where they're at, their strength of record, very strong. Number 12 in college football as far as strength of record is concerned. Their strength of schedule, however, not so great. Strength of schedule sits currently at number 64. However, they do have quality wins against Utah. No, there's no such thing as a quality loss either. Losing to Oregon, you don't get credit for losing to a good team. There's the, that doesn't exist in my world, no disrespect. I also think that the Washington game, a quality win. South Alabama, maybe not as quality as it once was, but South Alabama, also a quality win for UCLA. They currently should sit no lower than 10th when the rankings are released tonight. At number nine, USC Trojans. The USC Trojans, of course, have a difficult loss on the road at Utah. They also didn't look great in a few other performances, a la the performance against Oregon State, even last week's performance against Arizona. Maybe not the best performance in the world. However, strength of record, which to me is an important variable. I don't always agree with it. Like, for instance, when I see some team's strength of record and they're sitting there at number one, and they have three losses. It's like, how is that? how is that possible? Not the case this year. Not the case this year. But strength of record for USC up to this point, they sit at number 10. You could say, well, those close losses that I just referenced. Yeah, well, Oregon State is a really good football team. Really good football team. All right. Washington State, pretty good football team. Not a great football team. They're four and four, but a pretty good football team. And that was a convincing win against the Cougars. They lost on the road at Utah. Not going to give them credit for that. But that win against Oregon State, to me, is a good win. Oregon State's 6-2. And, and that's a really good win for USC. And it wasn't pretty, I might add. But, hey, it is what it is. And I have these teams kind of breaked into tiers. All right? Kind of breaked into tiers. This tier is lumped together. 7 through 10 is lumped together. Okay? Well, actually, I take that back. 9 and 10 are lumped together. 7 and 8 are lumped together. All right, 9 and 10, the Los Angeles, essentially. These teams have a ton of firepower, but a ton of concerns. That's the name of 9 and 10. Ton of firepower, ton of concerns. All right, but exciting to watch and a fun brand of football that's currently residing there in the greater Los Angeles area. All right, those two teams are lumped together. Here's the next two teams. The name of this lumping, if you will, is that I ain't as good as I once was, but I'm as good once as I ever was. Okay? Yeah, you know the song. I ain't as good as I once was. I'm as good once as I ever was. You know the song, right? Not going to sing the whole thing because we can't afford it here at Always College Football. We refuse to pay the rights fees to this song. So, still a great song. Seven and eight are Alabama at seven, Oregon at eight. Okay? Ain't as good as I once was. Alabama, for the last 15 years, I'm not sure this team is as good. Oregon, back in 2010, 2011, 2012, in that area. Not sure they're as good as that, but they're as good once as they ever was. Because if you look at what Oregon did to UCLA, the team that I have ranked 10th, and that was a dismantling. 
And it was really, really good in the most important parts of the field. The red zone in particular. Red zone was excellent. Defensively, the red zone, excellent. Forced three field goals and intercepted a pass. Excellent. Excellent performance. Thought there might be a possibility, by the way, with Oregon. Thought there might be a possibility after, you know, what was a rowdy crowd, wicked good atmosphere, everything being awesome there for the UCLA home game, game day being there, you name it. Last week would have been a great spot to lay an egg. Just a phenomenal spot to lay an egg. And they didn't. They went to Cal, played really poorly there early on, and then boom, they turned it on and pulled away there in the second half. Looked much better as a football team after they weathered the early storm. So I think Oregon is excellent. Probably from start to finish, from what I thought of them week one to where they're at right now, I'm not sure there's a more improved football team in college football. Up to number seven, the Alabama Crimson Tide. Uh, to be completely honest, you could make a very strong argument for Alabama to be a little bit lower than number seven. You can make a strong argument. I don't think they will. And as much as the committee uh, should, for all intents and purposes, live in the 2022 silo, like we shouldn't let 2021, 2020, 2019, we shouldn't let those years impact how we perceive these teams. But we're human. I mean, we are human, y'all. And as much as I think we all could point to and look at flaws on Alabama's roster, we also know that when Alabama has made the college football playoff, they've fared very well. They've lost one time in the semifinals. Okay, and that was to the 2014 Ohio State football team that went on to win the national championship. Like Alabama's fared really well in championship environments. And this week, too, man, we're going to get a real good indicator, a real good indicator of just how good Alabama is. Right now, they sit at number three in strength of record. So this is a team that has accomplished an awful lot. A lot of people will also point to. Well, they lost close. You know, that that's close. No, there's no moral victories when it comes to putting rankings together. You either won or you lost. This is binary. All right? There's no, well, but, you know, it was close. No, no, no. Win or lose, they lost. Yes, I understand that it was close. Yes, I understand that it was on the road. And yes, I know what Tennessee's done from this point forward. That doesn't strengthen Alabama's resume. Oh, it was a good loss. No, 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 no. There are no such thing as good losses. Not when we're talking about playoff caliber teams. Fair enough. Alabama, I think, is in a good spot there, sitting at number seven. At number six, remember, this is where they should be. Not saying this is where they are, because some of the same things that I just said about Alabama will probably apply to Clemson. Well, they've been there before. Oh, well, we've seen them. Oh, well, they have great players. Oh, well, they're really, really physical. Like, I'm, uh, all right, great. That's awesome. Who have they beaten? Right, like I know what 2019 Clemson was, and 2018 Clemson, and 2016 Clemson. Like I know that those teams were full of war daddies and won a couple national championships. Like I know they went to the national championship in 19. Like I get it, I understand, I know the history. All right, I know the history of the Clemson Tigers, and I know that traditionally they're pretty dang good. But I refuse to allow their past success 
I refuse to allow that to affect how I'm going to view them this year. If they're higher than sixth, I'm going to be ticked off. I am. Because the biggest Chinese stars on their resume coming into this week are Wake Forest and Syracuse wins. Now you tell me, are you impressed with Syracuse? Well, if you were, it was probably because of that close loss on the road at Clemson. Because I just saw them get completely bullied by Notre Dame for 60 minutes in the ballgame. All right. Are you impressed with Wake Forest? Because I just saw Wake Forest turn it over eight times in the second half of a football game, six times in the third quarter alone, and get completely blown out by a team that was just above 500 in Louisville. So you can tell me that you, that you love Clemson, but the reason why you're telling me that is because of what they've done since Dabo Sweeney's taken over as the head coach. Because if you look at what they are now, today, this year, you're not going to be... You're not going to be a team that's in the top four right now. You're just not. I think six is as high as they can possibly be. And frankly, you could make a fairly strong case that they're a distant six based on the resume. Now, I wouldn't have them below Oregon. I would not have them below Alabama. I would not have them below any of the aforementioned teams. But... Football season is here, and nothing beats seeing your favorite team live. Not only does Vivid Seats have great NFL ticket prices, they're also the official ticketing partner of ESPN. And with Vivid Seats rewards, when you buy 10 tickets, you get the 11th free. Download the app or visit VividSeats.com today. Vivid Seats. Life happens live. Receive a reward credit equal to the average price of 10 tickets purchased, excluding taxes, fees, and processing costs. See vividseats.com slash rewards for terms and conditions. Every college football season, Goodyear knows the importance of winning on the road. The road will always demand confidence, the confidence to handle whatever the journey brings and to perform under tough conditions. And just like the players and the fans of college football, Goodyear is ready. Are you ready for the road? Visit Goodyear.com to find the right Goodyear tires for whatever road you're on this season. Goodyear, more driven. In a six-horse race among undefeated teams, they are sixth, and it's by a fairly wide gap. Moving up to number five should be the TCU Horn Frogs. If they're any lower than that, I'm going to be ticked off. I am going to be ticked off. If Alabama's ahead of TCU, if Oregon's ahead of TCU, I'm going to lose it. Why? Look at their resume. Look at their resume. And I'm not going to try to sit here and say, oh, well, Oklahoma's not as good. I get that. I don't think Oklahoma's as good either. Oh, well, look at what's happened to Kansas. Fine. I get it. Jayhawks aren't great. All right, they're fine. But last time I checked, their record and resume would indicate that that's a pretty good win. Pretty good win. You say, well, look at the strength of schedule. Have you seen the Big 12? Like, have you watched the Big 12? Or are you using past history, recency bias? Are you looking at them and say, well, you know, TCU, I, you know, I don't know. They haven't been that good. That They're kind of new to the party. Like, are they really that good? They got down by 17 one week, and then they got down by 18 the next week. And, you know, they rallied to win. Sure, that's great. But that's, you know, that's not really a great win. 
Is it not? Like Because last time I checked, you're able to come back not once but twice from 17-point deficit. Now, how'd you get in that 17-point deficit? That's something that we need to definitely pay attention to. But you came back twice, consecutive weeks. And look at the gauntlet, man. SMU, Kansas, Oklahoma. I mean, one after Oklahoma State, Kansas State. On the road at West Virginia. You say, oh, that game was a three-point game. It was close until he threw a touchdown to make it look a little better. Have you been to West Virginia? <laughs> like, I don't care who you are. I don't think West Virginia is good. I hope you don't either. But I know that that's a tough road trip. And I know that's a difficult place to play. And I know that's a pretty good win. I'm just saying. Like, TCU's got a nice schedule. Like, they got a really nice schedule. And they should be appropriately ahead of Clemson. I don't think they will be, though. I think the committee will have TCU behind Alabama. They might even be behind Oregon. But they better be five, or I'm going to be ticked off. All right, moving into the top four. I don't think this is... Honestly, this might be the most difficult top four you've probably ever had to put together. Because there is a real argument that every single one of the top four has an insanely strong case to make in favor of them being number one. I mean, it really is. You know, what's funny is like the way I've kind of looked at it is, you know, we're, we're in a situation right now where I, I look at how complete a team is. You can look at how complete a team is and what, you know, what they do, how they win, how balanced they are offensively and defensively, run versus pass, like all these other things. Like there's a lot of things that quantify greatness. And all four of these teams to me feel great. Like I feel great about these four teams. All right. I mentioned like the lumpings, right? Like nine and nine and ten are together, eight and seven are together, six and five are together. Six and five is the, you know, have you know, have been and no new to the party kid. Like that's that's where they are. Like you got Clemson and TCU. One's been a perennial power for a decade and change. TCU's been up and down. All right. One's new blood, one's blue blood. Which one's which? Okay. Here's the next break grouping. Four and three. And there people are gonna lose their mind here. At four, the Georgia Bulldogs. At three, the Michigan Wolverines. Previously, my number one ranked team. Now, like I said, I've said this for a couple weeks now. All four teams are kind of interchangeable. They really are. I think Georgia and Michigan are both more sound and more physical than Ohio State and Tennessee, who I have sitting at one and two. What order? I'll explain in a minute. To be honest with you, if I were to build a team, I would want to build a team that looks like Georgia and that looks like Michigan. I think those are teams that can score, but they can also win if the game becomes a fist fight. So I like the way these teams are built very, very much. I love Georgia. The problem with Georgia is Stetson Bennett threw a couple picks last week. or nitpicking. Threw, threw a couple... Really could have been three picks. If you, I mean, if you really watched the game, there were probably two or three dropped interceptions. I mean, it really was not a great 
performance from Stetson Bennett. And I look too, right now, Georgia has an incredible dismantling of a team that I have ranked eighth. Incredible dismantling. Incredible. But really, if I look at the rest of the schedule, like where else have they very much impressed? Was it against Auburn? Was it against Vanderbilt? Two teams that are under 500. Was it South Carolina? South Carolina, not a great record, obviously. Fine, but not not a great team by any stretch of the imagination. Was it against Kent State? Like I, I, I think George is going to beat Tennessee this week. But right now, based on what they've done up to this point, I haven't seen consistent enough play from them to warrant sitting there on the one line. Even though if there was a team in college football that I'd least like to play, it's probably the Georgia Bulldogs. All right? They should be, right now, I know they won't be, but they should be probably ranked at four. At number three, it should be Michigan. Michigan is probably the most well-rounded team in the country. Defensively, up front in the front seven, how they cover down. Shoot, even their performance against Michigan State, okay, they gave up some yards to Coleman. But Coleman's catches were like acrobatic freak show catches. It's like, how? I mean, how did he catch that? You know what I mean? Like, like, oh my gosh, you just jump over a guy. And, you know, it's like the guy was unbelievable. So, but Michigan, just how I think JJ McCarthy's so accurate on the run, his legs make it difficult. Like he saw and had great recognition this past week. Like as soon as there was one guy standing in the hole and he's like, oh, hang on a second. I can run, even though it's a pass play, I can run. I'm one-on-one with this guy. I'm going and did and did so beautifully time and time again. So I think his advancement is really impressive. I also think too, with Michigan, what I need to hold them accountable to, and this is probably not fair, and people are going to say, well, you know, what about, you know, nine game conference schedule? Oh, y'all, I don't think the Big Ten's very deep this year, if I'm going to be completely honest. I think it's okay. I don't think it's great. I don't think it's very deep. We've done the division power rankings. I think the Big Ten West is awful, with the exception of Illinois. Uh, and then the Big Ten East, I mean, I think it's kind of top heavy. I think Michigan State's terrible. I think Rutgers is not good. I think Maryland's okay. I mean, yeah, okay, Ohio State's great. Michigan hasn't played them. But their non-conference schedule is embarrassing. I mean, at some point, like, and as I'm really starting, we're, I mean, we're talking about the slimmest of margins when assessing and evaluating these teams. Like, slim, slim, slim margins. Michigan has an embarrassingly bad non-conference schedule. And as a result, it kills their strength of schedule argument. Their strength of record has been impacted negatively as a result of it as well. So while I think Michigan might be the most complete team in the country, right now I think they have to be held accountable for the fact that their non-conference left an awful lot to be desired. Okay, moving to number two. The Ohio State Buckeyes currently are my number two team. And part of part of what I love about Ohio State, all right, Ohio State is extremely fun to watch when they're going. And it was amazing to see the effort by some of the defenders on the field. I mean, Tui Moloau was phenomenal this past weekend. And if he can play like that, he's not going to replicate that production. But if he can play like that and be that disruptive, like, man, I mean, you're talking about a, a defensive line that's going to take the step, be a real problem, real problem. 
for teams down the stretch. Uh, I have not been super impressed with Penn State's offensive personnel. I've not been super impressed by the consistency that Penn State's had. I think Penn State's excellent, excellent defensively, and especially against the run. Michigan carved them up, but that was the anomaly performance. All the other games against the run have been pretty good up to this point. But I looked at Ohio State, and I watched them for a quarter there in the fourth quarter and was like, boy, if they can replicate that performance, they are a problem. A problem. So I'm looking at the top two as potential. Like the middle, the middle two, four and three, that tier, that's the steak and potatoes teams, man. Like, give me that all day long. I love the steak and potatoes teams. All right. At one and two is if they rev their engine, it's a wrap. Number one is Tennessee. And they weren't number one for me. You guys know that. I've liked them. I've respected them. But I've had major concerns about their defense. Major concerns about their defense. Well, not saying that, you know, a dominant performance against Kentucky makes them the 85 Bears. But man, that was a much better performance in the last three quarters than we've probably seen from them at any point this year. I mean, defensively, their offense is going to put a ton of stress on the opposing offense anyways. But defensively, that was sound at all three levels. It was opportunistic too. When the ball was in the air, their defenders were chasing it. Their defenders were getting hands on it. Thought they did a great job at the line of scrimmage, causing some disruption. Kentucky's offensive line's bad. There's no doubt. Well, they looked worse than I even thought they might look against Tennessee. So Tennessee and Ohio State, Michigan, and Georgia. Those are my top four in order. And it's really difficult. We're talking razor, razor, razor thin margins. So I can tell you this. However the committee has them in the top four, whoever they have them, I will not complain. Because I think the top four is very interchangeable. But if we're going based off resume, game control, strength of record, strength of schedule, all these other things, the order should be as follows. One Tennessee, two Ohio State, three Michigan, four Georgia. I think they might have it flipped just a little bit between Georgia and Michigan, but TBD. Five TCU, six Clemson, seven Alabama, eight Oregon, nine USC, 10 UCLA. That's how the committee should have them. Let's find out. We'll see if they do. Do you want to be the number one team on the first rankings? I mean, only once in 2020, which was a weird year when Alabama was the number one team in the first rankings, went on to win it. Every other number one team in the first rankings has not won the national championship. I always want to be number one. <laughs> I mean, I welcome that burden. Um, so, no, I don't think it... By the way, if you're three... People always lose their mind like, oh, we're, we're, we're three. Oh, we're so much better than those teams in front of Who cares, dude? As long as you're in. Just get in. Just get in and let's, let's go from there. Just get in. That's all you need. Get in and let's let the dust fall where it may. All right, November is the best month for college football, and I love this too. Like I've always felt like our schedule should be like a crescendo. You know what I mean? Like, okay, we start out with non-conference games and and we just get a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better, a little bit better. And then by the time it's like week 12, week 13, we should be playing our biggest games. I mean, it should be absolutely enormous. So every week it should be a little bit bigger and a little bit more important. 
we're trending in that direction. All right, we're not quite there yet, but we're trending in that direction with the way things are being flushed out and the way conferences are starting to schedule. And it does feel like for many teams and many conferences, the schedules are very much backloaded. So it's the best, best month of the season for sure. And so many things can happen. And we still have so many games that mean so much. And it starts this weekend. All right, let's start with Alabama and LSU. We will break this game down in its entirety here in the next couple of days from every possible angle. We'll break it down from a gambling angle with Chris the Bear Felica. We'll break it down from a football angle on Friday afternoon, Friday morning, whenever that, whatever day it is. I don't know who cares. Whenever it's on Friday, all right? So we'll break it down. What are the chances that Brian Kelly beats Nick Saban this weekend in his first matchup as the head coach of LSU? I would actually say compared to where they were a couple weeks ago, man. I mean, compared to where they were a couple weeks ago. I mean, don't get me wrong. They got to play well. They got to play at the highest level possible. They can't play like they played against Tennessee and make a bunch of self-inflicted mistakes. But I think the chances are very real. I, I would Right now, gun to head, had to pick it. I'm taking Alabama. But I would be surprised if this game got out of hand in one direction or the other. LSU, along with Oregon, it's this amazing thing that happens in college football. It's incredible. Like where you are week one might not be where you're at week 10. You might get better. Like LSU is a great example of that, man. They have gotten so much better. And the last couple of weeks, especially, I know it started against Florida a couple of weeks ago for Jaden Daniels, but it carried over into the performance against Ole Miss. Jaden Daniels is going to cause a lot of the same problems for Alabama's defense as Hendon Hooker did. The one problem is I don't think Jaden Daniels is as good throwing the ball down the field in a deep ball situation. Like he's better on the move. He's better on scramble drill. He's better, I think, when it comes to extending plays and remaining a passer. Like I think he's in a good place on all those things. But if you want to talk about straight drop back, throwing the ball over the defense's head, Jaden Daniels not quite as good as Hendon Hooker, but similar challenges surround trying to defend the LSU quarterback. If you get too aggressive in your pass rush, he'll crush you. If you run too far upfield and you're not good sticking with the receivers as he moves by time, you're in trouble. And the receivers now, for the first time in a while, they had a case of the drops for six, seven weeks of the season. Those receivers are finally starting to play to their potential. So if I had to rank it right now, the scale of 1 to 10, likelihood of LSU getting the win this weekend, I'd say it's about a 3 to a 4. Maybe four being on the high side, but I think Alabama, we're going to see the best version of Alabama here down the stretch because the bye week's going to allow them to refocus, get a little healthier, and maybe iron out a couple competitions on the roster as far as who's starting and who's getting limited playing time. I think that's probably gone on, and Bama's coming off one of their better performances defensively of the season against the Mississippi State Bulldogs. So I think we're going to see a very good version of Alabama this weekend. But anyways, man, the reality is that LSU is a tough place to play, especially at night. It will not be easy sledding for the Crimson Tide this weekend. And then what are the chances in the other game of the weekend, right? Tennessee and Georgia. What a massive matchup. One versus two in the AP poll ranking, right? Where are they in the college football playoff ranking? We'll find out. But either way, massive matchup between Tennessee and Georgia. To think that you have that and leads into Bama LSU, Bama LSU might actually be the lesser of the two games is insane. <laughs> like that's just, it's a crazy day, a crazy doubleheader 
for the Southeastern Conference. But what are the chances that the loser of this game actually makes the college football playoff? I would say it's actually quite high. Well, we've talked for a while now about the possibility of Bama and Georgia making the playoff, right? But the only way that happens is if Bama finds their way to the college football playoff is if they win the SEC West, get to the SEC championship game, and beat Georgia or Tennessee, the winner of this weekend's game. You can tell me, well, the winner of this weekend's game is not guaranteed. For all intents and purposes, it is in my eyes. Okay, so Bama would have to beat one of those two teams in the SEC championship game. Well, if Georgia beats Tennessee, like I think they're going to do this weekend, and gets to Atlanta for the SEC championship game, I think Bama is going to have their hands full with Georgia. I really do. I think that's going to be a difficult game. We already know that Bama had their hands full with Tennessee, but I think they match up a little bit better against Tennessee than they do against Georgia this year. So I think that Georgia would probably win that game if it were played tomorrow on a neutral site. So therefore, Bama would have two losses. Tennessee would stay in front of them because of the head-to-head. And then Georgia would ultimately get to the college football playoff. So I think that it's a very strong possibility that those two teams still, regardless of the result this weekend, could find their way into the college football playoff. But of course, that is hindering exclusively on whether or not the winner of that game wins the SEC, which is a big coin toss. So how what percentage would I say? About 50%. That's where I'd say. The loser, about 50% chance of potentially making the college football playoff still, even though they wouldn't win their division and would likely be sitting there as an at-large team. It's also totally dependent on what happens with TCU and totally dependent on what happens with Clemson. Those two teams are undefeated. Are you really going to take a one-loss division runner-up over the likes of an undefeated conference champion? The answer is absolutely not. And it also hinges on the fact that USC and UCLA right now in the Pac-12 and Oregon, I might add, those three teams all have one loss. Run the table, one loss Pac-12 champion. Maybe it's Oregon. They're sitting there with a 12-game winning streak. It'll be tough, I think, to keep them out in favor of a division runner-up, be it Tennessee. Uh, Obviously, if Georgia loses this week, and Georgia has the head-to-head against Oregon, which would bode well for their candidacy, even in defeat. But those are just two of the games that set the table for the rest of the year, man. I mean, we got Michigan-Ohio State coming up here a few weeks from now. Bama and Ole Miss is next week. Ole Miss won this past weekend. Maybe they get back on track and continue to run the ball with a high clip. TCU is on the road at Texas. That's a fascinating game. Texas, everyone thought maybe they're the best team in the Big 12, and they lost and stubbed their toe against Oklahoma State. They kind of came back down to earth as a result, but maybe they kind of rally and put the finishing touches on TCU's undefeated resume. Washington and Oregon, rivalry game. Maybe Washington can score enough points, and maybe their offense gets hot and takes it to Oregon. That's a possibility. I don't like it, but it's a possibility. How about Illinois and Michigan? Of course, massive game there in the middle of November. We know Illinois is playing great football. We know Illinois can run the football extremely well. We know Michigan can run the football extremely well. And we know Illinois is great against the run. So that might be an absolute war there here a couple of weeks from now, just with how those two, two teams play and the type of style those two teams bring. And then you have USC-UCLA, which is probably the most anticipated USC-UCLA game we've seen since 2006, it feels like. I mean, when USC needed it to go to the college 
go to the BCS championship or go to the Pac-12 championship. I don't remember exactly what the terms were, but UCLA beat them. I remember it vividly. I was a freshman in college. I remember watching that game in shock, thinking that USC would never be beat. But either way, a lot of incredible games. I'd even mention rivalry weekend. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Starting your own small business can be a total roller coaster. Between all those bumpy twists and turns comes the actual business side of your business, which can really throw you for a loop. Luckily, with QuickBooks, you can manage your business with confidence from the start. So no matter how bumpy the ride gets, you can always stay on track. New business, no problem. Success starts with Intuit QuickBooks. Learn more at quickbooks.com. That's that's all coming up after that. That's right. USC, UCLA don't play on rivalry weekend. Explain to me how that makes sense. SC plays Notre Dame that week. That's why it makes sense. All right. Thanks for being with us, guys. Hope you guys had a wonderful Halloween last night and enjoyed it with your family and your loved ones. We also hope that you'll join us. You'll like, you'll rate, and you'll subscribe. That will be really awesome for us. Here's we move into November. We want to get a lot of momentum going into the bowl season. We want to get a lot of momentum going into the off season. So please like, rate, subscribe. It helps us out. It helps the show out. We're going to break down all these matchups. We're going to continue to get into it. We're going to break down the playoff, college football playoff rankings tomorrow. Not just like one through four either. We're going to be going one through 25. Like I'm going to be just as ticked off about where North Carolina was spurned as I am going to be about whoever's sitting at number two. Even though really one verse two doesn't matter, just or two verse three doesn't matter either because it's just a jersey color. But if North Carolina's not sitting there up there, I'm going to be mad. All right. I'm going to be mad if Tulane's not up there. I'm going to be mad if Illinois is not up there. All right. So there's a plan on an angry version of me tomorrow saying just just plan on it okay because our reaction is going to be strong that's all i can guarantee all right we appreciate you being with us you can hit us up on our social media at always cfb that's on twitter that's on instagram you can email the show at always college football at gmail.com you can also hit that thumbs up button on espn's youtube channel you can leave a comment on ESPN's YouTube channel. You can give us a five-star rating anywhere where you get your podcast. And you can leave a comment there, too. So we appreciate it. It helps us a lot. We'll be back with you tomorrow. For Mark Kubiak and Jack Foster, I'm Greg McElroy. We hope you have a wonderful day. And remember, it's always called for Hey guys, it's Greg McElroy. Thanks for watching Always College Football. Make sure you like, rate, and subscribe to ESPN's YouTube channel and wherever you listen to your podcasts.